Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in to Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Wallace and Millard out at T-Mobile Arena. Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the What a night. What a weekend. It's, it's, it's hockey weekend in Vegas. We got a couple of games against the St. Louis Blues tonight and tomorrow, wrapping up the home schedule with a collision against Colorado on Monday. And right smack dab in the middle, a matinee tomorrow afternoon, the Henderson Silver Knights and San Jose Barracuda. We've got, we've got four games in four days going on here on the Strip. And both teams, both Henderson and the Vegas Golden Knights, aiming for regular season division titles it's the stakes can't get much bigger uh-huh. for nhl regular season games as we allow more people into the rink there's gonna be more than seven thousand people here tonight i know biggest crowd of the year mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it, like it's funny because as we've as we've seen more and more people come into the building i think that every time there's been a, a bump in in the in the the amount of people in the building we we see it like we get to be in the building ahead of the crowds and we get to see how many seats are are kind of opened up now and and i can't wait because this building is going to be absolutely rocking i can say that i was here for a couple of rehearsals and the the level has gone up even more because you have to compete with the crowd and i think Mm. that the crowd's going to bring it tonight for the golden knights so you know that uh, the crowd murmur yeah that was piped into Mm -hmm. the rinks in the bubble and at the start of this year, still going on across the National Hockey League. I asked the question, what do you have to get to really, before you can bounce the murmur? Okay. Official 50%. Okay. So not quite there yet. Getting close. But getting really close until we can bump that murmur right out of here. Now, the murmur served its purpose. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. Like it, it got us through a tough time. But murmur? We're looking forward to a little bit of space. It's not you, it's me, and I need some space <laughs> from from the crowd murmur. And that's a National Hockey League rule, by the way. Oh, really? Okay. When a billion gets to 50%, mm-hmm. you are allowed to take away the murmur. That's for uh, just uh, continuity between building to building and team to team, uh, not to uh, to leave one one franchise with a different feeling. I don't know. If you're, if you're below 50%, why you'd get rid of it anyway? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, but that's the case, and we're getting we're inching up on it tonight with 7,000 people here tonight, uh, 7,000 people in the building tomorrow, Henderson Silver Knights, and, and looking forward to uh, a, a great one uh, series with a lot on the line tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big game for the Golden Knights. It's a big game for the St. Louis Blues, and, and these are two teams that I think that, you know, you, you look at where – where they are right now in the standings you look at the golden knights if they take care of their business 
this is likely the first round opponent for Vegas. And and I know it's hard to kind of look ahead four games, but no, it's not. that's what I'm doing right now. That's the end of the road. That's the end of the season. The Golden Knights are it's it's within their destiny whether or not they finish in first place. And a lot of that has to do with these two games against the St. Louis Blues and the Golden Knights looking to rebound against St. Louis, who beat them the last time they played. And it's really the game that I think catapulted the oh, St. Yeah. Louis Blues into the playoffs. It's, uh, it's gotten to like really the game that catapulted St. Louis into uh, relevance was the game before that when, when the Vegas Golden Knights stomped all over them. Fair point. And management and coaches and players, I'm told, had a, uh, a, a rather uh, continuous string of exchanges throughout that, I believe it was a Monday night in St. Louis. And it went from in the game to in the admissions during the game to after the game <laughs> to the next day. And it culminated with a much better performance by St. Louis on the Wednesday night game, and they've, they've got points in 10 of their last 13, and they're going to qualify. It's not official yet. They're not in. No. They don't have that X yet, but looks like they'll get that check mark uh, tonight uh, with a couple of different scenarios. They don't have to win tonight uh, in, in regulation. They, can, they don't actually have to win at all uh, to be able to, to put this one home. But it's, uh, it's an interesting setup with a week to go that the fourth-place team, is really the only one that knows what's going to happen in a week. Like St. Louis <laughs> will open up on the road yeah. against the top seed in the West. Yeah. And then you go to Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota, mm -hmm. and any one of those teams still has a chance. Minnesota's an outside chance, but still has a chance to finish first. Sure. And Vegas, where they are right now, Four points up on Colorado could still potentially play any of the other three. <laughs> they could finish first and play St. Louis. Yeah. They could finish second and play Minnesota. Or they could finish second or third and end up playing Colorado. Right. The odds do favor the collision against St. Louis. But with four games to go, there's a lot still to be decided. And, and it's interesting because the, the final few games of the season for the Golden Knights are against their potential three opponents in the playoffs. Right? Now, do you like, like that? I do. I, I absolutely like that. I like the fact that Vegas was able to play against Minnesota this week. I like that they're able to play against St. Louis tonight and tomorrow. And I like that they have another game against Colorado on Monday. I, I think that there's, there's positives to draw out of those games should you play well. And, and, you know, some things that you can work on if it doesn't, if you don't play well heading into the playoffs. Do you think from a, an individual standpoint that this is hanging over Alex Petrangelo at all? Or uh, is it an advantage, Ryan, that he gets to play the St. Louis Blues twice this weekend mm -hmm. and he can kind of turn the page before he plays them potentially for real in a week? Any opportunity Alex Petrangelo gets in the regular season to play against St. Louis I think is a positive one. And I go back to the point you made yesterday about Petrangelo winning the game on Wednesday in Minnesota in overtime as kind of that defining moment, right? That moment where Alex Petrangelo fully becomes a Vegas Golden Knight. And I think 
it's a positive that it happened in Minnesota so that now you've got these two against St. Louis. I think Petrangelo is going to be really good tonight and tomorrow. I think he's going to be the Alex Petrangelo we've wanted him to be all season long. I think he raises the bar. Oh, I do too. In the next 36 hours. Yeah. As a statement where he really cuts the cord from the St. Louis Blues to the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I am not going to sit here and tell you by any means that there, he's played softer or easier against the St. Louis Blues or not had the same intensity against the St. Louis Blues in the games that he's faced them this year compared to the San Jose Sharks or the Minnesota Wild. That's not in his makeup. But I would not be surprised if there's a couple of interactions that involve Alex Petrangelo tonight and tomorrow that lets everybody know whose side he's on. If you doubt it at all, Petrangelo is going to make it very clear and watch for it over the next 36 hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I look at these two games and, and you know, I haven't really gone through my nights to shine just yet for the broadcast. Leave on, it a little late, aren't you? On the pregame show, but it's going to be hard for me to talk myself out of Alex Petrangelo tonight and tomorrow. I'm just, I'm just saying it right now. Like when I look at these two against St. Louis, when I look at really what's on the line for the Golden Knights, and and you take care of business here, these two games against St. Louis, everything's really, really within your power. Uh, I, I think he's coming out with his best two games of the season in, in uh, tonight and tomorrow. Now, when would you normally confirm in your own mind the night to shine? Because I'm going to, inside of two hours before the pregame show, uh-huh. when you have to dial it up yep. a couple of notches, yep. I'm, I'm concerned no, that, no, no. That, it's, that it might get left on the side burner and you're going to forget and it no, might get overcooked. There's no concern at all. I mean, Alex Petrangelo was my night to shine on Wednesday. That worked out. You shouldn't be allowed to go back-to-back with that. I know it's not my show or my segment, but that doesn't stop me from giving advice. Uh, well, you're probably right. Uh, but, I, I mean, I, I don't feel like I go back-to-back too often. I will go back-to-back if the player doesn't have a great game. So, like, if I, if I label them night to shine in a game and it's not their best game, I will go back to that well just to kind of get them out of it. Has anybody ever slid into your DMs and said, you know, it's Riley Smith here. Uh you took me for the night to shine. Uh-huh. I, I didn't have a great game. Can yep. you just back off a little bit? Um, like, don't take me again because I feel like you might be just uh, causing a little too much uh, uh, jinxing going on. I don't, I don't no, feel nobody's like... Nobody's ever reached out to you as a, from a player, like gone through Sage there's Salmons? There's literally been no players that have done it, but there's been plenty of fans that tell me to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going to go Petro again, you think? I don't know. Lean? We'll see. You'd have to listen to the show, but you'll be on your show, so kind of hard yeah i might do you have a podcast of the pregame show it gets pretty dated though fast doesn't it the pregame show does the pregame show gets really dated postgame show is podcast at lvsportsnetwork.com yes it's beautiful that's one of the greatest things that uh that has come out of this season is taking the postgame podcast and all that sound and all that opinion and all those calls that come in and making them live a little bit longer out there in the uh in the sphere of the internet if nothing else it, it proves that it's fun to call into the post game show like mm-hmm. we have a blast on the extended post game show so if you were ever on the fence like you were you were concerned or worried about calling in first of all don't be i don't bite second of all 
when Darren's on, you can always yell at him. That's fine. Yeah. And, like Rita. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And third, like, go back and listen to extended post-game shows and all the fun that we have there, and then make the decision tonight to call in. If you're on your way into the uh, Las Vegas Strip, looking forward to this one. Over 7,000 people going to be at the Fortress tonight. Biggest crowd of the year. Arguably the biggest game of the year. If the Golden Knights can sweep this one, they'll set themselves up for an incredible opportunity for first place. Uh, Stormy Bonatoni is going to join us on the TV side at, uh, at 6.30. And she's, got the, she's mapped it out, how the Golden Knights can finish first. Okay. Now, it's... And this, this takes a little bit more planning than just go to win all four games. Win all four games or Colorado <laughs> loses five games. We're not doing that. That's my impression of somebody saying, well, it's easy. They just win all four games. Uh, hmm. there's, there's more to it than that. The critical game, believe it or not, isn't for a couple of days. It yeah. all starts with that Monday game. Sure. And then you, you work your way back. So if they win, they're four points up right now. I'm not going to go through all of Stormy's uh, hieroglyphics. What do you call it? How do you say that Jeff. word? A whole lot of symbols. Hieroglyphics? Okay. No, 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 Chapman. It's, it's, well, yeah, I, I'm sure you said it right. Hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. Yeah. We're not going to go through all of that, especially now because I can't say that word. But it starts with, with, with Monday. You're four points up. You add Monday. You're six points up. Yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good base. Yep. Colorado has four more games beyond the Vegas game, mm-hmm. total of eight points. If Vegas can somehow even just split these two, win Monday, and win their final game against San Jose, they got it. Yep. Now, what they'd really like to do is have Colorado stumble a little bit sure. in one of their uh, other four games that they play. And have an opportunity to rest everybody or as much as possible on that San Jose game. So that's why tonight isn't the be-all, end-all. Sure. But tonight and tomorrow weigh heavily on being able to give some extra rest for that final regular season game next Wednesday. And maybe they can just sit back and do some hieroglyphics and do all that kind of stuff. That's what they'll be planning to do. Hieroglyphics? Hieroglyphics. That's what I said. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Jeez. I don't know what you guys are doing over Ridiculous. But that's that's sort of the the, the, the semi-roadmap that we've got going here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these these two against St. Louis are important, and, and these two against St. Louis for the Golden Knights, should you take care of business, really, really set you up well for that game on mm-hmm. Monday. And, and, again, I think it's a really good thing for the Golden Knights to to have that meaningful game this late in the season against Colorado. Because when you look at the Honda West Division, you look at these two teams in Colorado and Vegas, the the what we've talked about all year is that they're on a crash course. These two teams uh, have been the best two teams in this division. And Minnesota's knocking on the door, but it's still, for me, Colorado and Vegas. And, and I think you have an opportunity that late in the season to try to make a statement if you're the Golden Knights or you're the Colorado Avalanche, it's going to lead to an incredibly entertaining hockey game and one that I think gives you a real idea of what seven games in a series is going to be like between those two teams right now. Do you think there's a easier path to the 
Western Division final? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I I know that a lot of people are concerned about Minnesota, and and I I, I understand the concern. I still think that if if the Golden Knights are the team that we think they are, if they're the team that they've proven out to be all season long, they'll find a way to beat Minnesota in a seven-game series. The St. Louis Blues are interesting because this isn't a team that, that has been great this season. They've been battling through a bunch of different things. Uh, but I still think there's enough pieces in St. Louis, if, if, even if they don't win, they'll make it very difficult, right? Like, it's a series that you're not going to walk away from without some bumps and bruises. So it's kind of, you know, I, I think Vegas can handle St. Louis. I think Vegas can certainly beat St. Louis. I think there are question marks with Minnesota. I still think Vegas can beat them. I just think it's going to be hard no matter what. You've got really good teams in this division at the top of the division. I don't really think there's a path that's going to be any easier. I really don't. St. Louis is healthy now. Yeah. Or healthier. Sure. And they're a team with the experience and a little chip on their shoulder, what they're playing with right now. That's what concerns me. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, Colorado have been at and competing for the top all year. Nothing to take away. We know how hard Colorado plays and what their danger factor is. Sure. We just witnessed the lethal method that the Minnesota Wild can deliver a knockout blow in Karel Kaprizov, and they're never out of a game. St. Louis is kind of that, what are they really? Yeah. And if they are closer to 2019... And that's a really scary thing. I like I'm I'm right there with you. Like I it's it's not that it's not that St. Louis is is necessarily the scariest team in in my opinion. They're just a team that's got pieces that know how to win. Mm-hmm. And they've got a great coach. And they've got a coach that knows how to push the right buttons and to get the most out of his team in the playoffs. And I don't think that that's a an easy series for the Golden Knights by any stretch. And I, I don't think it would be an easy series for Colorado. Should it be Colorado versus St. Louis? Like, I don't think the Blues are an easy matchup because they, they just have too many guys in that room that know how to win in the playoffs. Fascinating. Yeah. Watching this come down the stretch and to see whether it's going to be Vegas-St. Louis, Vegas-Colorado, Vegas-Minnesota. There's a, a lot of uh, different results that could play out over the next uh, few days. Also in these next four games, it's about making sure that you're going in the right direction. Uh, we, we've got uh, the injuries that the Golden Knights are dealing with right now. So will that be, a, in the end, a good thing? Because the likes of, uh, of a Pacioretty or an Osek or uh, a Reeves, who Reeves has missed a dozen games. Uh, Pacioretty's missed the last couple. Uh, will that end up being... A blessing in disguise depends on what really what the injury is. Sure, and uh, that's uh, may sound like a dumb statement, but if it's if it's a broken bone, sure, well that's going to heal and you're going to be fine when when you get back. If it's one of those nagging muscle injuries, yeah, and I don't know what the injuries are, 
then that's that's a little bit different. But if it's a, a broken bone, like Petrangelo mm -hmm. uh, had the, uh, the lower body injury, upper body injury, it was mid body injury. Was, uh, sure. <laughs> depending yep. on depending on depending on uh, where where he's standing, where the body part yeah, is. Yeah. Yep, exactly. uh, so the. He was able to still do some cardio and yep. still do some things to keep himself fresh, but got a lot of rest. Uh, I, I'm more of the uh, the feeling that it it might be a bit of a positive. And if you can somehow make that last game irrelevant, mm -hmm. you're going to get six, seven days off. And you know what, what might uh, might help out in the playoffs is, is having uh, – 12 forwards like mm. that's another thing like yeah we we've, yeah, right. we've talked about the golden knights and, and we've talked about the the cap and how it's been it's been managed this season because you go out and you bring in a player like alex petrangelo and, and you know you you understand that come playoff time you can have a full roster throughout this season the golden knights have not been able to do that for various reasons and you know we we look at the last couple of games and especially scoring five goals in Minnesota without Max Pacioretty, your leading scorer, playing Peyton Krebs in his first career NHL game, and with only 11 forwards. Like, I think it's a good thing that the Golden Knights have been able to go through these stretches where they've been shorthanded and they've been able to score, they've been able to kind of be in games because once you have a full roster in the playoffs, I think that that makes Vegas just that much better. Ryan Reeves was on the ice this morning yeah. at, at the pregame skate, so that's encouraging. I wonder if the players aren't back right around the corner, i.e. tonight, tomorrow, Monday. Mm -hmm. How long do you go with the 11 forwards and that setup? You're, you're back into a situation where it's three games in four nights. They're uh, in the midst of that right now if, mm -hmm. you, if you go to Wednesday, but they're also at the start of it when you look <laughs> ahead to tomorrow and Monday. It's that uh, quirky part of the schedule. How, because the going with 11 forwards to get Peyton Krebs in the lineup mm -hmm. has been a conscious decision. I think you go with it until there's a reason not to. Like If you have liked what Peyton Krebs has brought to the table over the last two games, and, and I'll be honest, I like the fact that he's not panicking with the puck. I like the fact that he's looking to make plays, that he's trusting his game. Um, if he's forcing the issue, like if you're Pete DeBoer and you're saying, I like what he's bringing to the table. I can't take it out of my lineup. Then you keep going with it. You're right, but three games in four days, yeah. busy stretch. No, how much do you? How much do you push him? How much do you uh, leave some other guys on the sidelines when you don't want them to be out for two weeks before yeah. the the Stanley Cup playoffs? There's a few moving parts that go into it beyond just the injury and the the urge to make sure that you're getting Peyton Krebs comfortable in this and I'll uh, I'll be watch that'll be one of the things that I'm watching very closely uh, over the course of this weekend yeah I, I'm with you I think that you know in terms of these types of decisions it's always up to the player right like mm -hmm. if the player goes out there and he makes the case that you can't take him out of the lineup then then you're forcing the hand and you know, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening in these two games and how important, how much that game on Monday is, is going to mean for the Golden Knights for Colorado and where where Pete DeBoer kind of falls in, in his philosophy with his lineup that night. Everybody's playing to get Wednesday off. Yep. The San Jose game. Yep. The trip to San Jose and how much they can use the taxi squad uh, with the, the salary cap and everything that goes into that. Yeah. But that's that's what they all want. 
They want to have things locked up with a top seed and be able to rest as much as possible on, on next Wednesday. When we continue on the VGK Insider Show, we saw some message sending on Monday and Wednesday between the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. Will that continue tonight with another potential playoff foe? And how nasty will it get? This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Seven thousand people plus tonight at the Fortress. We are VGK Insider Show. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, uh, having some fun here, getting set for what is going to be a three-game homestand for the Golden Knights, uh, live from T-Mobile Arena, where the anticipation builds uh, the final couple of games against the St. Louis Blues, and uh, they will influence what happens at the start and the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, this week, it was some nastiness. From the Wednesday first period that really got people's attention between the Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. And then got down to playing some hockey uh, for the second and third. Do you think, Ryan, we'll see the same type of uh, message sending from this series where it was against Minnesota, the first game had its moments and then hit that crescendo uh, in the opening 20 of game two. What do you think happens tonight? Oh, I, I think that it's chippy from the opening face-off. I think we see a lot of scrums. I, I think that we see both teams physically engaged, and I would not be surprised if we see a couple of fights in this one. And not just this one, but this one tomorrow. I think these two games, given what's at stake, are going to be very feisty. Feels like we're, we're in between the regular season and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. There's that weird stage, and it happens in, in preseason play too, where you get four or five games into the preseason and the coach wants to dress somewhat close to his regular lineup, and you have one game where it's just at a different pace than anything you've seen in the preseason. That's what where we are right now from the intensity and the level of play this week against Minnesota and the anticipation for the next three against St. Louis and Colorado. Yeah, part of me feels like, and and your point in terms of preseason is well taken, it almost feels like the qualification round from the bubble, right? Yeah. Like like where, you know, we, we had the benefit of watching round-robin play with the Golden Knights, and, and the games were, were there but not quite there. And then we, we kind of juxtaposed that with the qualification games, the, the, the you know, best of best of five series, and those games had another level. They had a different feel, and, and I, I think that that's kind of where we're at right now is, is you're, you're far enough removed uh, or you're, you're close enough to the end of the regular season and close enough to the beginning of the playoffs to really show out and, and try to send messages tonight. That's a great comparison to the bubble and that qualification round where it was just uh, for seeding. It was important, but it wasn't facing an elimination if yep. you didn't get off to a great start. And look what Dallas did uh, during the course of that qualification round. The Fortress tonight will hope to witness a sixth straight victory by the Golden Knights. Uh, they're knocking on the door of a 20-win season at T-Mobile Arena. And that's a season that started without fans, got to 20, then 30% capacity, now tonight over 7,000 people. Is this environment, this building, 
as influential as it was in the in the initial year. Maybe not the zaniness, and nothing will ever compare to that. But there was a question last year that other teams were enjoying what was happening here as much as the Golden Knights. They, they just <laughs> look forward to coming here and playing. The New Jersey Devils uh, told me, this is as close to a playoff game as we're going to get, and we can't wait. Uh, when they came through, they got shut out by the Vegas Golden Knights, but they, they, were, they had that, in, that looking forward to uh, on, on their minds. From, a, from an influencing standpoint, are we close to year number one? It, you know, it's, it's almost unfair, I, I think, of me to answer that question before I see what, what we get tonight, right? When, when the capacity goes up for the Golden Knights and, and the fans tonight, I think it gives us a really good indication. It's been an influence in the past this season. And That's I what think, I mean, like as a, as yeah, a whole. I, I think so. I, I mean, it's it's tough, right? Because that, that first year, the building was always electric. There, there just wasn't anything that I could actually compare it to. And, and everything has kind of been compared to that season. And, and right now, I think just people getting into the building, people kind of feeling like things are returning to normal, just getting those opportunities, I think you bring even more energy into the building. Like when you get in for a game now, it's almost like you appreciate the moment more. And I think the, the fans have really been engaged in the gameplay, in rallying around the team if, if they're, they're down a goal, whatever the case may be. So, I mean, I, I think that home ice advantage this season really does matter. I think this building especially always brings it. And I also think that brings out the best in your opponents. When the players started training camp and they played a couple of inter-squad games here at T-Mobile, there was uh, a real reaction by the athletes. Like, they, they felt at home. They were so excited to be here instead of playing in the sterile environment of the bubble, which served its purpose, and we, we crowned a Stanley Cup champion. But even in an empty building with that murmur that we mm -hmm. talked about earlier, in an inter-squad game, Ryan Reeves, for one, said it just felt right. They yeah. got a boost out of it. And it started out the regular season with a real influence the Golden Knights were so dominant at T-Mobile in front of nobody. Yeah. And it's continued to to really surge. They're 11-2-1 in their last 14 here at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. An opportunity for a 20th win of the campaign, which only a couple of other teams have done. And Vegas is the only other team that can do it. So if they can win one of the next three, they'll be one of three teams in the National Hockey League to reach 20 wins uh, this campaign. It just feels like uh, everything has been restored to its right spot, that the fortress has become a force and an impact on teams coming into this building. I just think this building hits different. And, and, and it's, it's everything. It's the production. It's, it's what this team does, what this organization puts into the, the presentation of the game, right? And, and I think that when you create an atmosphere that just exudes good times, exudes fun, it's contagious. And I think it's, it's contagious for the players on, on, the, on the bench. And, and, and you get a product that really lives up to that. And, you know, this building has kind of taken on a life of its own. And, and fans are a huge part of that. The Golden Knights being as good as they've been since their inception is a, is a part of that. 
but this building is just way too much fun to play in. St. Louis has feasted on the road, which counters or will collide with the Golden Knights' success on home ice. Without the St. Louis production away from Enterprise Center, they're sunk this year because they were just awful on home ice for a long stretch. Turned it around during this uh, recent run uh, to, to salvage their season. Do you think with those two factors and what's at stake with a potential first round meeting in one week, does the performance of the two teams rival what we saw in Minnesota Monday and Wednesday a little bit less or is rather passive? I, I think when you when you look at these two games, I, I think they're going to be very close hockey games. I don't think one team's going to to really run through the other. And I think that this is going to be close to playoff hockey. I, I do think it's close. I do think it's going to be feisty. And, and I think that the Blues want to win these games just as much as the Golden Knights do. I, I know that there's a lot at stake for the Golden Knights. I, I know winning this division is important to Vegas. But St. Louis wants to feel good about their game going into the playoffs. And they're looking at this as an opportunity to plant some seeds of doubt for the Golden Knights. And they've done it all year on the road. I think they revel in that. I think they love going into opposition buildings and just trying to beat teams there. So I, I think this is going to be one of those games where you're just throwing haymakers all night long. Literally? Figuratively? Both. So it can get to the stage that we saw the other I, night against the Minnesota I, Wild. I think we're absolutely getting there. Whether it be tonight, whether it be tomorrow, I, I think that at, at some point over the next six periods of hockey between these two clubs, we're getting there. Uh, two players that took a, a significant step on Wednesday night. One was Alex Petrangelo, who you talked about, and what he was able to do scoring that overtime winner and his overall game. The other one was Nick Hag. Do you, do you get the sense that Nick Hag is a different player tonight when he takes to the ice is looked at differently by his teammates by his coaches and by the opposition than he was a few days ago before he stepped in and answered the bell against Marcus Foligno you know it's interesting because I I actually got to see Nick Haig fight in a development camp tournament not not against anyone on the Golden Knights, but it was one of those one of those tournaments where you had the the Kings and the Ducks and the yep. Sharks, all that. And and there was a game in which Nick Haig stood up for a teammate and dropped the gloves. And it was in that moment where I said, "That's an element of his game that he's not going to need to use often, but it's there. And when it comes out, it's going to be something that his team can rally against." And I think that doing it at the NHL level, doing it not just at the NHL level, but against Marcus Foligno, a player that is just as tough as they come, 600 NHL games. Like, I think that has a huge impact on Nick Haig's confidence at this league, or at, at this level. And I think it does a, a number for the, for the guys in the room because they know they'll always have his back, but that, that Nick Haig can take care of himself and he can step into that role if he needs to. And I think a couple more fights... Not not in a row, but if he gets a couple more where he's holding his own against some real tough customers, that's an element of his game I don't think a lot of people are going to want to try out. So do you think his status has changed? I do, 100%. I, I think, I think in, in much the same way Alex Petrangelo kind of had that defining moment, I think that fight for Nick Haig is a defining moment for him. I really do. It is, he, he's been a bona fide NHLer, 
but I think that one announces an extra layer to his game, and I think it's one that his entire his entire teammates are going to to really really like. Somebody asked me if he was that tough, that strong, ability to handle himself against such a big guy in Marcus Foligno. Why do you think we haven't seen it more or haven't seen it before? I just I don't think that that needs to be his role. You know what I mean? Like you you look at the Golden Knights especially on the blue line, you've got Braden McNabb who can really really hit and and he's as tough as they come. Alec uh, Martinez has had some feisty moments in his game. I don't know that the Golden Knights need Nick Haig to be a physical presence, especially when you've got a guy like Ryan Reeves and, and more specifically this season, Keegan Colasar, who are, are willing to drop the, the gloves and invade, engage in those types of, of altercations. But I think with Nick Haig, what we're starting to see with him is a willingness and, and an ability to hit specifically the play on Kaprizov. Like, that's not a play that I, I think Nick Haig makes earlier on this year or even last year. He's looking for those hits now. He's looking to be more physically engaged, and I think that that's just kind of a byproduct of him becoming more comfortable at the NHL level. Do you think we'll see him more eager to get involved in the odd tussle or kerfuffle? I think so. After a whistle, now yeah. that he's had that? Or will it be, because here's the other thing. He's, he doesn't really have that personality where he he's like a tough guy mm-hmm. walking with a swagger. Yep. He's an easygoing guy. Mm-hmm. Young dude scares me more. But it's like when you push him, push him, he, he, no, 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 and then snaps. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know which side we're going to get. The easygoing guy that you just have to push and poke and prod and, and go at and make him angry, and then he's going to go, or a guy that's going to assert himself a little bit more. I, I think that it's just going to be an overall. Uh, more physicality from his game. I think that there's going to be more hits. I think Nick Haig's going to be looking to be more physical, add that dimension to his game, and by extension, that's going to make other teams angry. It's going to make players angry, and they're going to poke at Nick Haig. And I think that in in a moment where he's going to have to drop the gloves, he's going to do it. And it's something that I think a lot of people over time are not going to want to do with him because he's a, he's a big, strong kid, and he's got that edge to him. You just have to get there. But you understand why James Dolan wasn't pleased about what he watched uh, with the New York Rangers. Now, I think James Dolan was off the mark with the changes that he made with his team, but he's the owner. Uh, I don't think that they were ready to compete for a playoff spot in the East Division. Not yet. Uh, Anyway, but, but you see the frustration of watching your team get pushed around. Yeah. And want to be able to answer the bell. And the Golden Knights are a team that will will play the game as fast as you want to play it. Mm-hmm. But they will never. There's not a team that can push the Vegas Golden Knights around. They can push Vegas. Sure. But they you can't go into the alley and, and intimidate them. Yeah, the, this is a team that can win in the trenches, mm-hmm. 100%. Like, they can win in the trenches. If you want to muddy it up, if you want to get physical, the Golden Knights can push back. There's enough in this locker room of guys that that are willing to stand up for themselves, willing to stand up for their teammates. I mean, we've seen Mark Stone do it. We've seen Jonathan Marcheseau do it. There's no shortage of guys that are willing to mix it up if that's the direction that this game goes or that game goes, whatever. And, And I think that that's a really, really key point of the Golden Knights. This is a team in that 
no matter what happens, they've all got each other's back. They're all going to go into the fight together. And if there are actual fights on the ice, it's not always on one guy to answer the bell. And I think I like that a lot a lot about Vegas. How many different guys have fought this year for Vegas? Colasar, Reeves, Haig, Marcheseau, Stone. Maybe more. Maybe. I don't know. McNabb didn't get credit for a fight. Got a KO. But didn't get credit for a fight. <laughs> I don't think I don't think White. Riley got credit for his fight. Yeah, Riley, uh, White Cloud, and Kirill Kaprizov wrestled. Did yeah. he get credit count? for a fight? No. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, has Pacioretty had a fight this year? <sighs> I feel I like he's been close. I want to say yes. Yeah. Because he's go. he's not afraid to drop him. No. Let's try to look that up uh, during the. My favorite break. is still Marcia, so. Yeah. Tough to go wrong. I I believe Marcia So is right now the all-time penalty minutes leader for the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm, I'm going to double check that one too. But I think his his penalty minute his penalty earlier this week against Minnesota might or uh, yeah against Minnesota might have put him uh, in the lead or past uh, Ryan Reeves. I'll check on that as well. We got a lot to do during this uh, commercial break. We'll take a break. And we'll come back uh, live from T-Mobile Arena. It's the VGK Insider Show. Looking forward to a big doubleheader uh, against the St. Louis Blues with the Henderson Silver Knights uh, sandwiched in between tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be a busy time here on the uh, Las Vegas Strip. Uh, You're listening to Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. I'm telling you, we are on our game today. And so is Dr. Google. But <laughs> through through Dr. Google, we are right on our game today. We had a couple of questions going to break uh, between the, the two of us, Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, T-Mobile Arena, getting set for this one against the St. Louis Blues. Back at it tomorrow night. And uh, the Henderson Silver Knights playing the San Jose Barracuda tomorrow afternoon. It's a hockey weekend in Vegas here on the Strip. But let's start with... How many Vegas Golden Knights have fought this year as we anticipate another great West Division table setter going into the playoffs? So the Golden Knights have been charged with 11 fighting majors this season. That's more than season. I would have expected. I know. Well, in, in, in 1920, they had 10 all year long. So one more fight this season uh, for the Golden Knights. What do you attribute that to? Um, I mean, I just I kind of attribute it to the fact that last season was cut short a little bit, uh, and then also I, I attribute it to the fact that you're playing the same teams over and over and over and over again. Love it. All right, so the Golden Knights. Nick Haig, that's one. Ryan Reeves, that's two. Keegan Colasar, that's three. Marcheseau, four. Mark Stone, five. And that's it. Five guys have fought this year. So who are the guys with multiple scraps? Multiple scraps is Ryan Reeves and Keegan Colasar. How many times each? So, <laughs> they, they must have they must have a few then. If you've got five different players fighting, it looks like Reeves has three fights and Colasar one, two, three, four. Four. So yeah. Colasar leads the team in fighting majors this year. That is correct. You want the all-time leaders for the Golden Knights? No. No? I was okay. just more curious about this year. That's fine. That's good. If we start going down all times, it's it's going to be great. So he, my question was, is Jonathan Marcheseau the Vegas Golden Knights all-time penalty minutes leader? Because mm-hmm. that was in the back of my head. 
He is not. But 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 it's very close. Braden McNabb has the most penalty minutes in a VGK sweater at 160. Marcheseau is one minute back of that <laughs> at 159. They're both ahead of Ryan Reeves, who is at 158. So the battle for the all-time penalty minutes lead yeah. during the regular season for the Vegas Golden Knights goes McNabb at 160, Marcheseau at 159, and Reeves at 158. Who had that? That order. I, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I understand all three of those players being among the leaders mm-hmm. for the Golden Knights. I'm a little bit surprised that it's not Ryan Reeves, if, if I'm being honest, because of the role that he plays, because he's the type of guy that, that is going to defend his teammates, that's going to drop the gloves. You just you accrue more penalty minutes that way, and I'm a little bit surprised that it's not Ryan Reeves. Reeves has the most fights for Vegas. Yes. At nine. Yes. So do the math on that. Nine times five is what? Come 40, on, do your times tables. 45. <laughs> you, your kids aren't old enough for that yet. Oh, no, they are. For times tables? Oh, yeah. I thought your kids were like three and five. That's inaccurate. Oh. Charlotte's turning 11. Oh, well. She grows up so fast. I know. They just they like, sprout overnight. They, they grow like about a year every year. Wow. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right in the middle of the times table thing. <laughs> times tables are hard until you get it, and then it's really good. I wish I would have stopped math at uh, times tables instead of going on. So we we expect tonight. Kolasar was a beast on Wednesday. Yeah. A couple of shifts. Yeah, like he was leaning on guys, just right there. And if it does get nasty, McNabb and Marcia so. Mm-hmm. Expect them to be right in the middle of it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, We are going to take a break. We'll come back with hour number two. Continue to set things up, bring you some sound from uh, what happened uh, at the pregame availability, what Pete DeBoer expects from this two-game set, and for the final week of the You know, there's less than a week to go in the Vegas Golden Knights regular season. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, It's weird because these tonight and tomorrow were originally the end of the season for the Golden Knights. And then you you have some COVID pauses. It adds the the, the games. I didn't realize on, that. Yeah, it adds the games on uh, on Monday and Wednesday. But yes, less than a week. I uh, I didn't realize that because I stopped paying attention to what the original <laughs> regular schedule was a long time ago, and just went by. Where do I need to be? Somebody tell me, and I'll show up at that point. It was way too confusing. Of course, the Vancouver Canucks will be playing into July uh, for the regular season. We wish them uh, nothing but success. <laughs> Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show, live from T-Mobile Arena, continues on Fox Sports Las Vegas.